you know, the big part of that, it started with me being bored into a girl's body. I didn't have words for it at the time, but I was a transgender man, but I didn't even know what transgender was, if that, that, that was a thing yeah. until I was about 18, 19 years old. Okay. All I knew was that at that time in my life, I was too much. I was too naughty. I was too loud. I was too much of a boy. I was different from everyone else. There was a very neat little box that I was supposed to fit into mm. that required me to be quiet and sit still and follow the norms of who I was supposed to be. And I really grappled with that my entire life with constantly this outside narrative of telling me that I was different, I, who I was was just wrong, I should be like something else. And I thought that maybe there would be one point in my life where people would finally accept me and give me permission to be myself and I could dress and I could look however I wanted to be the way that I wanted without repercussions. Hi everyone and welcome to season two of The New Beyond. I'm your host, Dr. Judith Rich. I'm excited to be back with you and looking forward to sharing a whole new season of interesting guests with topics that will inspire and provoke you to see the world, yourself, and your life with new eyes. And guess what? I've even cooked up a surprise for you. As part of my 80th birthday legacy project, I'm offering listeners a free gift from my new Musings and Meditations audio series. Just go to my website, judithrich.com, and claim your free gift. I'll leave a link in the show notes. Also available for purchase is the entire series, Musings and Meditations. These are original pieces of my writing set to music that integrate the wisdom and experience gained from nearly 50 years as a leader in the field of consciousness and transformation. Look for a link in the show notes. And now, on to the show. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. I'm Judith Rich, and we're meeting in the new beyond. You know, in the introduction to this podcast, there's a part where I say to listeners, the new beyond is a place in consciousness where we're tasked with reinventing ourselves and building, uh, building our lives in the new beyond, going farther than we thought we could go. And so my, my guest today is someone who has figuratively and literally done both of those things. He, is, he has reinvented himself from the inside out, and you'll see why that's so meaningful, and definitely gone beyond farther than he thought he could go once upon a time. And knowing him now, I know that the, I know that where he is in consciousness is already out there in the new beyond, leading the way, inspiring others to follow. So I'm, I'm so thrilled to welcome my guest, Paul Can to the new beyond. And let me tell you a bit about him. Paul Can is a high performance and executive coach He's a talent development specialist, a TEDx keynote speaker, and host of the Yes I Can podcast. After almost a decade of sales and leadership experience, managing multi-million dollar portfolios with billion dollar brands, he left corporate to pursue a more meaningful path. Can't wait to hear about that. 
He spent the past two years coaching over 300 corporate and individual clients from CEOs to Olympians to up-level their emotional intelligence capability, develop, nurture, and retain diverse talent and bring out the best in their teams. Today, he's on a mission to empower and inspire others to create their best version of an extraordinary life with joy, authenticity, and freedom. Paul Can, I'm so excited to welcome you to the new beyond. Thank you so much for having me, Judith. It is such an honor to be having this conversation with you and to be on your podcast. So I'm super excited and thank you so much for the opportunity to, to be here with you. Oh, I, I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled to have you, Paul. You know, I first met you uh, maybe a year or two ago in the context of a leadership uh, development, a leadership training program that at the time you were coaching and I was one of the trainers in that program. And then you went on to captain a whole team. And um, I was just so impressed with who you were in that environment and how you showed up, how you inspired people, um, the, your level of commitment, the level of love and uh, devotion and attention that you brought to that environment and the way you inspired leaders of leaders, you know, at such a young age, I mean, by my standards, you're, <laughs> you're pretty young. You're what, 31, right? Yeah, 31, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I'm like way over twice your age. So when I see someone at your age and more and more, <laughs> I've come to realize and accept that age is just a construct, isn't it? Because I'm at the other end of the continuum where every morning I wake up and I, I look in the mirror and I say, wait a minute, you're how old again? <laughs> you can't possibly, <laughs> no, wait a minute. You're not 80 years old, are you? <laughs> it's like, I'm still in disbelief at my own age. So I know that age is just a, a made up thing. And it's, it's how we show up in our level of consciousness that really, um, really says so much about who we are. So, you know, this is, a, we, we're meeting you today as, you know, your bio, a higher performance and executive coach and a podcast host and a TEDx speaker and all of these amazing accomplishments but I want to, I like to hear about the journey of, of my guests when they come on the podcast. And while you've reached this, you've reached a pinnacle, a pinnacle, not the pinnacle for sure, mm. but you've reached a pinnacle having just come off the TEDx stage, right? Yes. Yeah. A week ago. Yeah. Just fresh off TEDx where you gave a talk that was called what? Freedom from the inside out. So take us back, Paul, to how that all began, how your journey to freedom began and what it, how, how is this important to you such that you chose it for your topic at the yeah, TEDx stage? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, first of all, I just want to say it's funny because um, I think you officially met me about probably two years ago, but I met you before that because you were actually my uh, trainer in the third practice for when I was in HCL 10 yes. and actually in, in that, uh, 
and, and that, that was very, very impactful for me because that was where it really came to me in my heart that my, my purpose is to transform the lives of others. I didn't really know what that meant. I didn't really know what that would look like. Um, but it really, if anything, was this beginning of a glimpse of where I'm supposed to go. And if anything, it really confirmed this, this call it unconventional path that I've been on where I've really been for the past, well, 31 years of my life, really trying to figure out the very core but complex question that I think many of us face, which is who am I? And yeah. that has really been this, this core of me grappling with and figuring out my identity in, the, in like my entire life. And then also from that place of figuring out who I am to then figuring out what do I do with that? And so I want to answer that in two parts because it really relates with why I decided to do my TEDx talk and why I did it on the topic that I did. Um, you know, so kind of to, to bring it back a little bit, the reason why I decided to do the topic on freedom on the inside out was that it really is the theme of my entire life up until this point. When I was born, what I didn't realize at that time, but I realized very early was that I was very different from everyone else. There was something about me that I realized who I was and the expectation that others had of me was drastically different. I grew up in a Chinese Catholic conservative household um, with very mm. traditional values. And I realized very early that I did not meet the expectation of who everybody else, my community, my family, my cultural expectations wanted me to be. And for what me at that, that time- What was, what yeah. were those expectations? Yeah, okay. Absolutely, yeah. You know, the big part of that, it started with me being born into a girl's body. I didn't have words for it at the time, but I was a transgender man, but I didn't even know what transgender was, if that, that, that was a thing yeah. until I was about 18, 19 years old. Okay. All I knew was that at that time in my life, I was too much. I was too naughty. I was too loud. I was too much of a boy. I was different <laughs> from everyone else. There was a very neat little box that I was supposed to fit into mm. that required me to be quiet and sit still and follow the norms of who I was supposed to be. And I really grappled with that my entire life with constantly this outside narrative of telling me that I was different, I, who I was was just wrong, I should be like something else. And I thought that maybe there would be one point in my life where people would finally accept me and give me permission to be myself and I could dress and I could look however I wanted to be the way that I wanted mm -hmm. without repercussions. Mm -hmm. And I kind of waited and I waited. And, and for most of my, well, my entire childhood and my teenage years, I spent my, my time trying to be a version of myself that won the approval of those that were in my life that I was surrounded mm -hmm. by. So I tried to look and dress and be and sound that part of that model little girl called it that everybody else wanted me to be. But what it truly felt like for me was this living nightmare. It was like Halloween every single day, but it's not a holiday anymore when you can't wash off or you can't remove your costume. It just becomes a reality that you're living within a shell of who you are. And that was what it was like for me. And I think the biggest challenge was me trying to figure out who am I? And what I think the question constantly I would get from others that I would reflect on myself is why am I like this? And I didn't have an answer to that question. I just knew it was different. And to some people it was wrong. And there was a lot of shame around that. And it wasn't until I was about 19 years old that I finally realized that 
this permission that I've been waiting for, for circumstances around me to change, for me to finally be at home with myself was, was never going to come. And so that was when I started really looking and digging into that question of who am I? And it was a very complex task because it's like, where do you start? It's such like a huge question, yet it's so simple at the same time. And so I really started doing a lot of research about myself and uh, not myself, but trying to do research, trying to just look everywhere. And it wasn't until actually I came across a, a YouTube video at that time. YouTube was really just coming out at that time. And there was a transgender man and he was sharing a story about who he was and his journey. It was like a boom, light bulb went off. And I'm like, this makes so much sense. This Wait, is who I am. You were how you were 19 years old. I was like, time? I was not. Yeah, I was 18, 19 at the time. Yeah. So prior to that time, yeah. you are, if I can just sort of gather my own yeah. uh, thoughts about what you've shared so far, prior to that time, you were aware that you, it, it, somehow you didn't, you weren't right, you didn't fit, you weren't aligned. Did it mm. occur to you that you were in the wrong body or you didn't, you didn't relate to the body? Did it ever, did you ever connect the body and the gender? Mm. Did that? awareness come forward for you at any of the, during any of that time prior to that YouTube video? Yeah. I think there was a, there was this misalignment for sure. In terms of like, something is off, something is not aligned here. Something is not matching, but I did have a, a, a definition or a word to put to what that was. I just knew I don't feel comfortable with myself and my body. I want to be someone else. I, I feel like I want to be, I, I am more comfortable with dressing in bore clothes and having my hair short, I was more comfortable in that, uh, that attire, that presentation of who I was, but I didn't know that it was even an option to be like, oh, could I possibly be born into the wrong body and that who I am on the inside is different? That wasn't something I was aware of because I just didn't even know it existed. So when you, uh, so let's say during your teenage or mm. elementary school year, let's say teenage years, mm. as you began to mature, um, did, did you have permission? Did you give yourself permission or was it okay for you to dress, you know, the way you wanted to dress and wear your hair or were, were you sort of expected to dress like a traditional girl and wear your hair mm. like a female mm. and mm. present as a female. Yeah. Did you present as a female or a male in your teen years? Well, for me, naturally, if you were to give, if you were to ask me, what are you most comfortable with? It would be cut my hair short. Yeah. Uh, you know, wear baggy clothes and all yeah. that kind of stuff. I never had permission though. It was constantly a, I wanted to dress that way, but it came with a lot of repercussions. It yeah. came with a lot of reprimanding from my family and yeah. my community. And everywhere I would go, people would look at me with this disgust, with this sense of, why are you like that? What is wrong with you? And it was this constant feeling of who I am and how I want to be is not allowed. And it was very much like that. And the reflection, the, the public opinion was, of me was not favorable at that time when I wanted to express myself in my authentic way. So I came to a point in my life because I was constantly yelled at, constantly got in trouble, constantly reprimanded. I'm like, I am so done with this because I, there is this tiredness and exhaustion that came from sticking out like a sore thumb and constantly feel like that is something that is viewed poorly upon. That is something where there is a lot of shame that is brought towards me and my family. And I was like, I want so badly for once just to be 
viewed as me and be accepted and to be quote unquote normal. I wanted to fit in and I was bullied. I was bullied quite a bit when I was in school. I actually was in my early, early teenage years at a point suicidal. Cause I'm like, what is the point of me being here? I, I still remember someone coming up to me when I was in grade eight at that time, I thought she was my friend, but then she's like, you should just put a paper bag over your head and just go die. And I'm like, wow, there's someone that hates my existence and how I am to the world so badly that they needed to go out of their way to let me know that I should not be here. And so I, at that point, actually made a decision. I'm like, okay, well, if who I am authentically is so difficult and challenging, and if anything brings me all of this trouble, and if anything, I can't even walk around without someone giving me heck about who I am, what if I just went the opposite way and I became what they wanted me to be. So I actually went opposite. I grew out my hair. I completely threw out the guy clothes and I dressed in girl clothes. I wear the dresses and I, you know, look the part. And let me tell you, instantly my reputation changed. All of a sudden I was the good girl. All of a sudden I was like the star and so smart and helping out. And I was, you know, amazing and everything. And it was for a minute for, to be very honest, felt fantastic to be like, wow, I am viewed yeah. in a way where I feel like people value who I am. And I felt valued for the first time, but I knew underneath it, it was completely inauthentic and it was fake because it wasn't as who I truly was. I was playing this part, but I wanted so badly to be that. And I, yes. and I had that, but it was incredibly, I was incredibly miserable and it felt completely misaligned, but I played that part. And it wasn't until I actually went and decided at 19, I'm like, actually, I can't continue to live life this way, pretending to be this version of who I am, that I finally then started looking for a, a different way. And that's when I came across that video and went down this entire path of then the excruciating decision of now that I know, what do I do with it? Do I now choose that and understand the price I might be paying is losing my family, losing my friends, losing everything that I've had up until that point? Or I, do I continue to be a pretend version of myself yeah. and pretend that everything's okay and have people accept me, but know that deep inside, that's actually not who I am. You know, oh, wow. You, you know, a lot of people share about what they're, what people call the imposter syndrome. Yeah. And you're talking about no kidding imposters. Mm. You were an imposter to yourself. I think it's really interesting that that question comes up because I think I spent a lot of time trying to reject who I was um, in the past, because if anything, I came out and then went right back in the closet. I did not want anyone to know about my past. I did not want anyone to know I was a transgender man. And I struggled with that for about 11 years. Mm -hmm. I was living as authentically who I was on the outside, but mm -hmm. I was now trapped on the inside Isn't by something different. Isn't that so it's, it's a, I left the closet to enter into a different closet. So that actually was another, that's a big part of, of my journey. And what I had talked about in my TEDx talk was that freedom isn't something that is a one-time choice. It is a continual choice. It is a continual oh, yes. journey. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, it reminds me of, of the Nelson Mandela quote about, mm. you know, I, you know, as I walked out of prison, I realized that if I didn't leave behind all the anger and the bitterness that, that I would just be, I mean, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, that I would be mm. taken prison with me. So that's kind of a parallel of what you did. You walked out of the inauthentic mm. you into mm. the authentic you. 
but created a new prison there mm, because yeah. the, the prison was that you, you took that former you and you completely, you put her in the closet. Mm. So there was a part of you that was still closeted and now you're mm. out completely. Am I right? Yeah, yeah, I yeah, am. Yeah, to, uh, yeah, to, to all my, every public space that I'm in. Yeah. And it's really interesting because I think that journey never really ends. I think there is always still a hesitation for me every time because there is this sense of, am I safe to be me here? Yeah. And so after I, I had to go down this big journey of learning to accept myself, and I think that is still an ongoing journey, to be yes. honest with you, because I don't think it ever ends. And so it is learning to come home to the different parts of me and accept that it's all of me. And I think mm-hmm. every single time, it doesn't necessarily ever go away in terms of that, that fear of what's on the other side, but it just gets a little bit easier every single time. The more, you, the more I share myself, the more I step into the spotlight um, and, and find that courage every time. If anything, it just gives me permission and builds up my, my ability to step into those uncomfortable situations. Mm-hmm. But I would say it's still continuing to be yeah. a journey for me to really learn about what it means to fully love and accept all of myself, including who I was. Um, yes. And having defining and figuring out what part of that is me that I want to keep with me and what part of that is in me that I get to let go of. Yes. I was just thinking as you were, as you were sharing that somewhere in, in that old identity Mm. are some gifts that you will, you will Mm. uncover at some point down the road or whenever Mm. there, there are gifts there to be embraced, Mm. right? Mm. It's just like, when we're attempting to purge ourselves of those characteristics and qualities that we that we care, you know, that we judge and we reject, um, those are the qualities really where there's a lot of gold. Mm. There's undeveloped potential there. So that's all part of the journey, you know. And I love mm. that you have that awareness that it is it's a lifelong journey, right? Yeah. And yeah. there's there's never. There's never a place where we get where we say, okay, that's it. I climbed the mountain and I'm, I'm at the top. Mm. I'm at the top of the mountain and there are no more mountains to climb. Yes. And guess yeah. what? From the top of the mountain, we can look out over the terrain and we can see endless mountains, yeah. endless yeah. mountains yet to climb. So, you know, I just want to say what, uh, what an inspiration you are and your story is and will continue to be for so many young people today mm-hmm. going through their own versions of yes. the journey that you have described to us. And um, I, I think that's such a huge opportunity for you to be a voice in that community um, where you didn't have any voices of support when you were young is what I'm hearing from you. There wasn't support around you, right? No, there, there wasn't support. And there definitely, there wasn't even support as I was coming out. I think just the narrative of what it means to go through that is one that unfortunately, a lot of times is one that is bleak. There was, when I went to support groups, it was a lot of stories of homelessness and poverty and relationships severed and jobs lost and 
it was a very bleak light at the end of the tunnel of, yes, you can become your authentic self, but you might lose everything in the journey to it. And it was very much a, a choice point for me when I had to decide, is that worth it for me on the other side? And um, I think one thing that I grappled with is really figuring out what do I get to do with my story and my identity once I did at one point come to accept myself. And I think one was I, I really wanted to change the narrative from this is who I am and this is the only people that I can utilize my story and mm -hmm. what I've been through to make a difference with, which is a lot of times staying in that pigeonhole of I'm only going to help transgender people or I'm only yeah. going to help people in the LGBTQ community. And what I've come to realize is that we all have our own closet of in inauthenticity. Yes. We each have our own closets of secrets of things that we don't want to share with people, or we're so afraid to bring to the light that we bring, um, we create and we hide and we harbor a lot of shame within ourselves. And we get weighed down and trapped by that. And in that in itself is these invisible cuffs that we keep ourselves in yes. because we're so afraid that if only people knew, like you talked about imposter syndrome so many times, like if only they knew me, if they only they could see me, if only they knew what was on the inside, they wouldn't like me, they wouldn't love me, they wouldn't accept me. And I think so many people can really relate to that. And I yes. realized that if anything, my journey has become a metaphor for what it means to be authentically you, what it means to come home to yourself, what it means to truly create freedom from the inside out. Because what I realized, um, and this was part of my TEDx talk, was really grappling with what it means to be free. I mean, if you think about the topic of freedom today, it's incredibly relevant and prevalent and controversial around the time that we're in right now with, um, I guess, I'm not, I don't, I'm not going to say talent. I don't know where we are in this journey with COVID, but we've been nonstop talking about not being free. And yet, funny enough, my choice to fully come out in the world came in 2020 in July, when I was the most physically restricted in my entire life, but yet I had never felt so free. When I finally came out and pressed post and shared my story with the world everywhere that I was present in, um, and, I, and I made it kind of that decision that I would open that up and create my podcast from there. And so I realized that it really has, freedom has nothing to do with what's outside of us. Freedom isn't actually about circumstance, freedom is about choice. And in yes. every single junction for me, it's been a choice. It's always been, do I choose A or do I choose B? And I think the challenge a lot of times is I don't like any of my options, so I'm not going to choose. And therefore I don't feel free. But then the freedom of it is that you may not like your choices and you may not like the circumstances or options that come with your choices or prices, yeah, but prices. we yeah. always can choose. And it's what price are you willing to pay for freedom? And for me, the choice point for me was I was willing at that point to lose everything and everyone in my life because I chose freedom from the perspective of being able to live as my authentic self. And thankfully, I mean, it, it played out different than what I thought in that terms of I, I was very lucky that my, my family and my friends, I, I didn't lose anybody. Um, they loved me and accepted me. It took a while, but at How the same time- How did your parents come there. around? How did your parents um, come around? You know, that in itself is, is an interesting journey. I mean, when I first came out to them, they were not accepting. Um, it was a huge shock for them. Um, and, and it really took them a while to kind of grapple with what that meant. Um, and I, I don't think I fully appreciated 
how challenging that was for them because in one way you're you're mourning this child that you thought you had yeah and now you are seeing them transform into someone different and i think that is a challenging journey for a lot of parents and um and and i get that now that i'm i'm a parent myself and so the in, the interesting thing was that in the beginning there was a lot of shame that was associated there was a lot of hiding um i mean i remember going mm-hmm. out to restaurants where my ex-girlfriend at the time would be introduced as the daughter and I'm the boyfriend because just that awkward conversation. We didn't want to have that. And I get that in terms of it was, it was hard for them in terms of, well, how do you have this conversation with so much and so much complexity in a very short amount of time, just in glancing with an acquaintance. Right. And so what I didn't realize was that I, I also um, took on a lot of shame from that and feeling like I am not good enough to be, acknowledged and accepted publicly. And it actually wasn't until my little sister passed away and it came at such a a shock and it was so sudden. Um, And it it was the very first time actually at the funeral that I was acknowledged as her brother, as the son, as coming out and speaking as Paul. Because up until that point, I had not connected with my church community. I had pretty much hidden from the world up until that point and kind of done my own thing. And my parents never publicly acknowledged anything about me. And so that was the very first time. So in the most unwanted of circumstances in a wow. very bittersweet environment, um, that was when my parents fully came full circle to accept me because in that moment, they just realized it didn't matter anymore. It well, didn't matter they'd lost when it came a child. to life and death. Yes. They had yeah. lost a child. And they could lose another child if they Mm -hmm. didn't come around, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. so maybe there, I'm just guessing that Mm -hmm. maybe in that uh, um, experience of their daughter dying, Mm -hmm. that they also became aware there's another potential loss here if we don't embrace who our other child is. Mm. Yeah. And I think there is this really eye-opening perspective that we gain when we face death because when we face the very end which is at the end of the day the very thing that I think many of us are 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 fearful of or when we get to that place of thinking about well that's it that's the very end of life and we look back at what was truly important we we realize that actually a lot of things that we held on to are actually not that important and a lot of things that we held on to are our ego or our pride or unwillingness to face the uncomfortable. But if we only were faced with that environment or that situation where we were facing death, or we realized that we only had X amount of time to live, would we regret that? Would we regret not finding the courage to take that leap of faith or to give it a try? And I think that is the perspective that I think my parents gained from that, that a lot of things that they thought mattered just didn't. When it came to at the very end, you know, when you look back on your life and when you face death, it's like, wow, everything I held on to, I wish I could have done differently, or it just doesn't matter as much anymore. So I think that was eye-opening for them. It was eye-opening for me in that moment as well, because I also realized up until that point, seeing, being at my sister's funeral, and it was so full that it was an overflow. And I mean, my sister was 19 at the time. She was very young and I mean, barely just started her life. And yet she had made such a big impact on so many people that 
it was full, you know, at the celebration of her life. And I had this moment where I thought to myself, well, if I die tomorrow, who would be at my funeral? Yes. And what is the difference I would have made in the world? And the answer was honestly, not a whole lot. Mm. At that point, I was working a corporate job. I could have been replaced tomorrow. It's not a big deal. I literally sold chips as a living. It was a big chip company, but um, Mm. I'm like, I haven't made a difference. I haven't made an impact. I haven't done anything in the world. I haven't done anything with my life. So what do I want to do with it? And actually that was, if anything, one of the big changing points for me that really connected with uh, what I mentioned to you at the beginning around me finding out my purpose is to transform the lives of others. Because from that point on, I really got to get grounded to what direction do I want to take in my life? I can continue in hiding, which I absolutely could have. I could have come out and yet stayed in my closet and mm-hmm. continue to work in my corporate job, being this like kind of tip of the iceberg version of myself, mm-hmm. showing only one side, but hiding the other. And mm-hmm. I actually could have continued to live life and it probably would have been okay. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, at the end of the day, when we're talking about living with the end in mind and reflecting mm-hmm. back, mm-hmm. that would have held me back on my purpose to make an even bigger impact. And that was probably the biggest challenge I had grappling with because in that fear of what is the price I could pay, which is possibly my safety or the safety of my family or mm-hmm. at ultimately my life. Um, and at the same time, am I willing to pay that price for that? And at the same time, maybe I can pay the other price of just not being so free, quote unquote, and just being a version of myself, but not the full authentic version. And I knew there was this like gut feeling within me that on the other side of my fear was my purpose. And until I chose to take that leap, there is no way I would be able to fulfill it and live a life where I feel fully fulfilled and making the impact I'm supposed to make. And I think that was any, if anything, the, 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 the final push and the driving force between me choosing at that point in July of, of 2020 to say, I get to come out because up until that point, it's almost like I'm running circles around it, but mm-hmm. I'm not fully allowing mm-hmm. myself to open that door to, to my purpose and to bring that into the world. Bravo, bravo, Paul. That, that is, I mean, Thank who you. would not be inspired by this story, whatever one's orientation is, whatever one's life circumstance is. I think um, all of us can look to you and the courage that it ha- that you have called forth in yourself, really. And what I'm also hearing over and over and over again in your speaking is this business of choice. And I always say that choice, the fact that human beings are endowed with free will, which gives us the possibility to choose, to make choices, is our superpower. And most of us, most people never take ownership of that superpower. Most people don't even realize it is a superpower and, and or take responsibility for it and take ownership of it. And yet that is the core. I mean, you know, we talk about responsibility as choice and everything comes back to choice that, that you chose to pay the price of your of what it was going to cost you to be free to be authentic you you had to elevate yourself 
to the place within yourself where you, you were willing to make the choice. And it's so interesting when you brought yourself to that threshold where you're standing on, let's say, you know, you're standing on, you're standing on a line and on, on one side of the line is freedom. And on the other side of the line is staying in the second closet that you, that you were, you had mm. built for yourself, right? Mm. Something called you, something called you to cross that line. And I'm wondering, you, you said in the beginning, uh, you were raised as a Chinese Catholic or you, you, you were raised Catholic. Yes. And yes. I'm yep. wondering your connection with spirit or God or whatever you, however you would frame um, you know, divine will, something greater than you. Was there any sense in your choice that you were being called by something greater than you that maybe you didn't have a name for, or maybe you did? Was that mm. in your was that in your consciousness at all? Yeah, it's really interesting because I think when I left my church, I had to learn to build a relationship with God because that's all I had. And it, I really grappled with a very long time with religion, the narrative mm -hmm. of religion, mm -hmm. what rules come from religion and what is God. Mm -hmm. And in my, in the darkest of my times, when I was really grappling with this massive crossroad, which was irrevocable, I really had to be with God. If anything, a lot of people are always saying, well, um, you know, why don't you pray for healing or like, why don't you try to fix it? Or why don't you this, 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 oh, trust me. If I could have, I would have, I prayed and I prayed. And I'm like, why am I like this? Is this the path you want me to go down? Please show me what am I supposed to do? Like, it is such a, it is really a place where no one can really give you the answer. It's not something you can logically reason out to just say, well, let me weigh out the pros and cons here and then just make a logical choice. These type of life-defining choices don't come from that place. And so I spent many, many sleepless nights trying to grapple with, is this where I'm supposed to go? Is this what God wants for my life? Is this what's the purpose on my life? And if anything, it had to force me to deepen my relationship with God and also redefine what he was in my life and mm -hmm. what I had to believe he was in my life. I can either believe in him as someone who is punishing and wants bad for me and, and is here to harm me. And if I don't follow X, Y, Z, that all this terrible things are going to happen, or I could trust that, that I am loved, that I am favored, that I, he has my best intentions in mind and he has the best for me if I trust him. And I think it really came down to trust. And I think that was the aspect of what really changed, I think a lot of times my narrative with other people that may have gone down a similar path as me. Because when I heard from others who had gone before me, their narrative and what they had shared with me, that things were bleak, that they were challenging, that I may end up facing incredible loss in my life. I could have in that moment said, yes, that is the only thing that is available for me. But there was something in me that said, what if it could be different? What if there was another possibility? And what if 
my life could be successful? What if I could be joyful? What if I could have love in my life? What if someone possibly would love me? Although I may not have fully believed it at that time, there was something in me that said, what if there's a different way? And I think part of that was me trusting at that point that if this is, and I told, I remember my conversations with him where I would say, if this is where you want me to go, please show me. And there would just be these doors that would just open. And I had to choose in that moment if I wanted to go through that door. But I found that every single time, every step along my way, whether it was me choosing to transition, me meeting my wife and choosing to like pursue that relationship, even though I wasn't really sure if it would work out. Um, and then every aspect of you know leaving corporate, starting my own business, and then having a child, every single step, it was never relied in just my own power. It was always a trusting of and, and, and praying about it myself around, you know, what is this relationship I want to have with God and what does he want for me? And it really came down to a deep, deep sense of trust that he's got me, that I am blessed, that I am loved. And that if this is where I'm supposed to go, it will work out for me. And it, and it has. And I think the only thing that is different is that the fact that I, I chose to believe that there was a different narrative that was available for me. And that if he put me here and he created me this way, there is a reason for it. It's not that it's wrong or needs to be fixed or that it's broken, but that in who I am is the very vessel that he gets to work through. Yes. Beautiful. Here's a potentially vexing question for you, Paul. What if God is beyond gender? Mm. Uh, I, I notice you refer to God as he, which most mm. people do. Mm. What if God is beyond gender? Absolutely. <laughs> I think that is a hundred percent possible. I think just like the concept of God is so big. It's so vast yes. and expensive that I think it is beyond comprehension of putting this massive being into a box of what we can of gender. Yes. We can identify yes. as. Yeah. So absolutely. Could be she, could be not it. a gender. It could be something totally different. Yeah. God it. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's always an interesting, yeah. it's an interesting observation that I make. Mm -hmm. Because I, I think that God is beyond gender. I think that God mm. is so vast mm. that God is a force. Mm. I didn't really plan on talking about God in this podcast, but, <laughs> but you know, here it is. And so, yeah. you know, to me, God is a force. God is mm. the creative, intelligent force that mm. is all there is, that is imbued mm. everywhere in everything all at the same time. And that Absolutely. is- that is beyond gender. So at any rate, maybe that's another podcast episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, I, I love that. Yeah, because I think there is, when we think about it from that perspective, that that is the creator of who we are. Then if we are made in the image of him, then the very limitations that we put on ourselves and our very limited human minds is only can go so far to really understanding what is available and what is possible and, and all the different, like beyond the boundaries of what we've created for ourselves. So yeah, I love that. I do too. I do too. So you made reference to a wife and a baby and you are a brand <laughs> new father, Paul. I am. Tell us about Thank that you. experience. Man, it, it's been absolutely unbelievable because I think 
when I look at it, sometimes I can't believe it because what I have in my life and what I've created was a dream at one point that I didn't think was available for me. You are literally living the dream. Yeah. yeah, Literally living a dream that I had when I had, uh, when I was in my teenage years, I never thought that someone would love someone like me because I was told my whole life that no one would. And you have Um, such a beautiful wife. Thank you. Your wife is such a beautiful human being. She, yeah, she absolutely is. And I think it was one of those moments where funny enough, cause my wife is also a Christian and I met her at the time where she was a conservative Christian. I'm like, there is no way <laughs> that she would be okay with this. And it just, in my realm of possibility, I didn't think it was possible yet. There was something that defied logic for me in that moment when it was almost like my soul or my, just my heart, my intuition, whatever you want to call it. That was speaking to me that says there is something here for you. And it is beyond what you think is possible. And, and that, that has absolutely changed my life because she has been so instrumental in me becoming who I am today. And I think just stepping into fatherhood has been an incredible gift because now I see my son and he's very much like me. My wife says that all the time where she's like, he reminds me of you all the time in his mannerisms and his personality. Um, and when I, when I look at him, I see this reflection of myself of, if I got to parent him in a way that I wish I could have been parented, what does that look like? And I'm so incredibly cognizant of that in terms of not putting my own judgments and barriers on him. And how do I get to create a world for him where he can be free to be authentically himself and feel empowered and really be able to live and grow up in a way where he feels like he has the, the space to become his highest self and that it's encouraged. So it's it's definitely very, very interesting in terms of being in the dr- the other seat now. I think I can really uh, appreciate, I think, my parents and the challenges in terms of raising a human being. Yeah. But at the same time, it is I think it is such a gift because I think parents pay, play such a big and important role in the development of a child and the trajectory of their lives. Um, and I, I know that a lot of things that we have comes from what we grew up with, the narratives. And so, yeah. uh, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a work on myself that I have to continuously do so that I can, I can show up as a version of, of uh, a parent, as a dad that, that he gets to have. And I think it also is really forcing me to be present with yes. the right now uh, because yeah. it moves so quickly. And if anything, I, I could look ahead but then if anything, looking at him, he reminds me to be just here and that's enough. Um, and so that, yes. that has been an incredible gift. Yes. Beautiful. So beautiful. And he's such a beautiful boy. I mean, you've Thank posted you. a lot of photos of him on your Facebook feed and I'm just, um, I'm just so taken with this little human <laughs> whom you have given such a beautiful name. Share with our listeners what his name is. Yeah, his name is Kairos. Kairos. And for you, the meaning of that is? Yeah, Kairos, uh, we were really intentional on the name. We wanted to find something that was uh, unique, but uh, not too crazy. (laughs) We wanted something (laughs) unique, uh, but meaningful, really, at the end of the day. And um, we came across Kairos, and Kairos is uh, the opposite of Kronos time, as as we all live the 24-hour, 365, uh, just the one after the other measure time. time. Yes, and the Kairos... When we saw that name, it was so perfect because it means divine timing. It's about everything happening all at once to create the perfect opportune moment yes. um, for 
uh, for God's timing, for divine timing, for the perfect timing for things to occur. So yes. he was that for us. And, you know, that's the name that we gave him that everything he gets to touch gets to be in perfect timing and, and divine timing. So that's gorgeous. That's just so beautiful. I've always loved those Thank distinctions you. between Kairos and Kronos time. Mm. And um, I've always thought of Kairos time as time beyond time. Mm. It's beyond time. It's not measured. It's when one is so immersed in the beingness uh, that we're, you're beyond time. Mm. Yes. And so yes. here's your son growing up in that context as a representative of that. I mean, come on. <laughs> I, you know, I, I'm just imagining what could possibly be his mission you know, I mean, with a name like that and, a, you know, a, just a context that he's growing up in be, with you and your wife and the whole context that you're creating for him. I, I'm just I'm so excited by the young, the young ones, the babies and the young ones who are arriving on the planet, you know, today. And I'm including my granddaughter, who's now nine years old, who came in who came in who was born at 24 weeks came in weighing a pound and a half at birth and it took her literally six months to weigh what your son weighed at birth <laughs> <laughs> yeah he's it's it's i think that's the beautiful thing that comes out from that and what i'm what i'm really seeing here is this through line of possibility and i think yes. it all starts from what we think is possible and what we don't think is possible. And that's exactly what's going to define our reality. Um, just like with your granddaughter, it could have been a totally different narrative of what's possible oh, yeah. for her being born at 24 weeks. Um, and yet here she is. I know you sent me like a, a, a video of her like doing rock climbing and stuff. So it's not defined by statistics or logic or what we think are these guardrails for yes. just human potential. And so yes. I, I think that is something that, as we, as children come into the planet, that's something I'm, I'm like my children. And as I continue to show up, that's something I, I really take into consideration is that for me, I understand what it was like for someone to limit my potential. And it took me most of my life to have to, and, and continuing to do so, to yeah. re undo that and to heal from that and to create a new narrative um, versus we have the opportunity to create a different narrative for uh, those that are younger, the younger generation that are coming in for them to understand that there is no cap on their potential and they can truly create whatever they believe to be possible. And uh, we don't get to put our judgment and our limitations on them or, or anyone else for that matter. And that's why I think I, I stand so firmly in my work with helping others really shine in their superpower and helping leaders bring out the superpowers in others. Because I think all of us can only shine when we feel seen and heard and valued. And the more spaces we create for that, um, the more talent and um, innovation and just incredible things get to be created in this world because of people that got to shift their narrative from I can't to yes, I can. Wow. And that, so that's a beautiful segue to your podcast which is another space that you're creating and, uh, mm. and you have, you're, you've, you've had your podcast out there for a while now, haven't you? Mm -hmm. Yes, Maybe I have. Yeah. Close to a year or something like that. Mm -hmm. Maybe longer. Mm -hmm. yep. Yeah. And, and so uh, what else are you creating now in your life? 
Oh man. So there's a lot that's going on. That's for sure. And I think uh, the podcast is, is one of the areas uh, for me, the podcast was always a platform to highlight the power of authenticity, to showcase the power of authenticity. So I'm definitely continuing to lean into to that. Um, and for myself and my business too, I think speaking is something that, you know, as I, as I stepped into the, the stage and it's interesting with stages because it's, you're literally in the spotlight and everyone is looking at you. And I spent so much of my life hiding from that, that when I finally embraced that, I realized that that's exactly where I was supposed to be. So I'm definitely leaning into that space of speaking on more stages and utilizing my story to, uh, mm-hmm. to change lives. Mm-hmm. And then there's also other areas that I'm exploring in terms of in my business around creating access for people to really be able to step into creating their best life, whether it is uh, through wealth building, um, it's a big one. I've been getting into real estate from that standpoint, really opening up the door for what is available for people to build generational wealth. Um, and then also from the other aspect as well, and um, uh, from what's happening with even, you know, cryptocurrency as well, which has been really, really interesting. I've been, I've been diving into that and just how much actually the aspect of cryptocurrency really ties in with many values that we live in leadership around mm-hmm. authenticity and integrity mm-hmm. and openness. Um, so I've been just allowing myself to explore these different areas that I can expand into. And I realize that my ability to transform people's lives can just look different, whether it's on stage or through a podcast or, you know, through helping them build the life of their dreams. Um, it, I'm, I'm really allowing myself to like be in that space right now and not make myself uh, wrong for being involved in different things. Cause I realize that's just uh, my superpower is being able to, to do the both end and be in yes. like creation mode. So. So where are you 10 years from now? Mm. Where am I 10 years from now? That's so interesting, that question, because I spent uh, so much of my life thinking ahead to what the next five, you know, three, five, 10 years would look like. And every time I made a plan, it was something completely different. Yeah. <laughs> it ended up being something yeah. God was like, nope, you are not doing that. <laughs> um, and it's every single time it's been like that. And I actually, it was funny. Someone was asking me that. And I said, you know what? I used to make plans because I used to shape my life around plans, but I don't, I don't plan anymore because I realize that I'm putting myself in a box for what's possible for me. Mm-hmm. But what I see in myself for 10 years in 10 years is um, being able to be a, traveling around the world, being on stages all around the world and really being able to make uh, the biggest impact possible with through my story, through my gifts to really empower and inspire others to create their version of an extraordinary life. Um, I see myself in terms of creating um, abundance, not only in abundance from a wealth standpoint, but time, space. Um, For me, being a very present father is very important for me. So I see myself being deeply involved with my children because I can see that as also another gift that I get to give not only to them, but to the world that by creating um, and, and building amazing humans that they get to go and be generous and contribute to the world as well. Um, but I really just see myself really living fully unleashed and unapologetic um, in terms of leaning into my purpose of transforming the lives of others. Um, and I 
I don't know what vehicle that's going to be through. And I'm excited yeah. to find out that, yeah. but I yeah. really feel like that will be my, that will be my calling. And it's something I can't run from, <laughs> even if I wanted to. So, you know, and that's the thing, Paul, you know, you don't need to know the vehicle because mm. I think when, when we're clear about our calling and we're aligned with it, which I absolutely feel and sense that you are the vehicle and or vehicles present themselves when you are a yes to who you are and who you're called to be and you're aligned with it the vehicles just they come they just come so don't worry about the vehicle you don't even need to make a plan it will show mm, you know it's yes. that whole intention mechanism when we're clear and committed and aligned with our intention then the mechanisms intention inspires mechanism right? Mm -hmm. So the mechanisms will be there. I sense there is at least one book, several books out there in your future too. You didn't <laughs> you know, mention that. Many people that, have but... said that. Yes. Many people have said that. And I feel like there, you're right. I feel like there is a book within me. And I feel like it's one of those things where it's when the time is right, it will show up for me to write that book. And I think right now I'm just uh, still writing the chapters. <laughs> That's like, I was oh. just gonna, absolutely. I was just going to say that, Paul, you're already writing the book. It's it's writing you. Yes. The, the book is writing you. And when you, you know, so when the when the time comes that you sit down to actually, you know, start taking dictation, it's effortless. It will just it will come through you. And you're just listening to the book that's been in you all along. Mm, yeah. Beautiful. Yeah, I'm I'm excited about that for sure. I think there it's it's in there. And I think I've started to see as the chapters come. And uh yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to that moment when I feel yeah. called that that's, that's the vehicle that I get to drive at that point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I have one last question for you. So if you could go back to the little girl that you were with, that you mm -hmm. came in as the one who was confused and ashamed and felt wrong and, and really didn't have, sounds like either there weren't supportive adults there weren't adults in your environment who supported her. But if you could go back to her as a supportive adult and be a voice of wisdom from her future, what would you tell her? What would you want her to know? Hmm. Yeah. And I think I want to speak from the standpoint of speaking to that little boy that was inside that little girl's body. Because okay. I think there is the both sides of that. Yes, there is yes. the, uh, the outside of this little girl who didn't identify as a little girl, but there okay. was a little boy within Beautiful. her that yeah. didn't know um, as well that he, he, he could live, he could be out in the world. And so, you know, what I, what I would love to share with my younger self, if I could go back, um, I would love to share that the future is more amazing than than what they could possibly imagine, what he could possibly imagine. And that it doesn't just get better. It gets amazing. It gets incredible because what's available for him, even though in the next moment, in the moments that he's in right now, that I'm going to say he, she, you know, he, she, and that he, the little boy inside and the little girl yeah. on the outside as well. Yeah. Um, even though the moment is difficult, was difficult for myself at that moment. And I couldn't see, a light at the end of the tunnel um, that 
it just requires one step. Just take one step forward mm. and one step forward, but know that your reality in this moment today does not define who you can become in the future. Because mm. if I only knew what was possible for me, if I only knew that even though no one loves me in this moment, there is someone who will deeply love me beyond what I can imagine possible in the future. Even though in this moment, I don't see that there's a future for me, that I can create anything of substance in the world, that anyone would ever value me, that there is a stage for me in the future, that there is people who I would impact, people who I can inspire and empower with my gifts, that there is possibility for me to not just have a career, but really have a calling. I think the way in which I live my life I wouldn't have thought that my life would end at 18. I wouldn't think that the possibility of me going beyond 18 were near none. I would actually see it as, if anything, this is the journey that I'm on right now, but I'm focused on a vision of what's possible me for me in the future. And I think that would have inspired me in those dark moments to know that this is just because I'm here doesn't mean I have to stay here and I won't stay here because what's ahead right now is paving the road for that to come to be, to become even more powerful and inspiring um, and truly fulfilling and purposeful than what I could even know is possible. And so that's what I think I would share with my younger self um, is that it doesn't just get better. It can get more amazing than what you can imagine. Oh, wow, Paul, that is so beautiful. I, you brought me to tears. <laughs> <laughs> That's just so inspiring. I absolutely know with my whole being that you have such a beautiful and bright future. And I'm just so grateful that we got to spend this time together. So thank you so much, Paul Can, for coming and being with us today. I want to remind listeners about your podcast, Yes, I Can, and uh, where 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 you find your podcasts uh and yeah spotify pandora itunes anywhere that you can find podcasts you can probably find me and what how about your ted talk is it up is it out yet it is not out yet it okay. is still at this moment as we're recording it is still in editing phase but i believe okay. probably in a couple of weeks um it will it just takes a little bit of time for them to edit and then put up on the tedx website but um i'll definitely send that your way as well You'll judith keep- once it comes out Yeah, good, good. Thanks again so much, Paul, for spending time with us today. I'm really grateful. Yeah, thank you so much, Judith. I just want to say thank you for what you create and and the space that you stand for in the world for others to really be their full authentic selves, to see their superpowers, to see their gifts, and just the way that you've lived your life. I know in the very beginning, you said, you know, for young people like me, that it really inspires you. If anything, I look up to when I grow up, I want to be just like you, that <laughs> I want to have the energy and the vitality and just the um, the power and the, and the presence that you have and the wisdom um, at your age, if I can even be half of that, it would be, you know, absolutely amazing for me. So I just want to thank you for creating these dialogues and these spaces and the work that you've done transforming, I don't even know how many hundreds of thousands of lives you have throughout your lifetime, uh, but you've paid the road for people like me to be able to um, come uh, into themselves in terms of stepping into their power and stepping into the spotlight and really being seen and heard. Um, and it's only because of people like yourself, like you, um, Judith, you for sure that have created, um, 
the the, the road and the opportunity to, to do that. So I thank you for uh, paving the road for me uh, and giving space for someone like me to, to to shine and show up and know that there is a place for me in this world. And um, so I really, really um, want to just acknowledge that and thank you for creating that. Oh, thank you so much, Paul. Thank you so much. All right, listeners, this has been one bang up of a time together. I can't wait until you all get to hear this as well. So next time, thanks for meeting at the new beyond. Before we go, let me take a moment to thank my producer, Justina Nielsen, and all of you, dear listeners, for being here. Now that we're in season two, we're no longer an infant podcast. We're now a toddler. And you know how toddlers are. Their legs are still building muscles so they can stand strong and begin to take off. Well, so are we. This toddler podcast is ready to grow and we need your support. If you're someone who likes to read reviews, like me, before you invest your time or money in something, but you haven't yet written one yourself, here's your chance to make a difference. Please take a moment to leave us a review on Apple, or if you listen on Spotify or other podcast providers, please give us five stars. I so deeply appreciate your support in helping this toddler learn to walk, run, and yes, even eventually fly. So thanks for being with us on this journey to the new beyond. Until next time, many blessings.